Welcome back to the Health and Pharma Supply Chain Summit. I'm Andrew Cox, Research Analyst here at FreightWaves, and for the next few minutes, I have the pleasure of speaking with Scott Sangster, Vice President of Global Sales at Descartes Systems Group. Scott, thanks for joining me, and welcome to the summit. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. Scott, we're going to talk about how to leverage real-time data to help navigate the very complex pharmaceutical supply chain. But before we do that, let's set the stage. Tell me about the typical chain of custody for a normal uh, pharmaceutical shipment. I assume there's plenty of handoffs. <laughs> there certainly is. There can be any number of handoffs, particularly when we look at it, we would assume usually around seven or eight handoffs in the supply chain from manufacturer to an LSP or a logistic service provider like a freight forwarder. Um, who then often uses trucking companies to move those goods to and from an airport, the air carrier to get it to a destination, ground handlers at both ends to physically manage the goods as well. And then of course, out to last mile delivery in the final mile uh, uh, vehicles with the drivers to get it to uh, the either the, the end consumer or to in the case of COVID vaccines to uh, whatever organization is gonna apply those vaccines to get the last three inches into the arm. Let's talk about the pharmaceutical supply chain from a delivery standpoint. Tell me about how it goes now and what are the biggest pain points and challenges that pharmaceutical companies have now when it comes to data and transparency? Okay, so I think, I mean, some of the biggest challenges today um, are things like, you know, loss and damage in transit, the condition of the goods as they move through the supply chain, and visibility into what's going on uh, as the goods move through the network. Um, so there's no single point of visibility across most of those deliveries and sort of silos of information and data. Um, when you factor on top of that, that it isn't real time, uh, it doesn't allow somebody to proactively take the measures necessary to make sure that those goods are arriving where they should on time in the proper condition. Uh, and that's how organizations are starting to use technology to take a look across the whole supply chain and have one uh, source of truth, if you will, to all of the data as the shipment moves through the network. Scott, can you add some color on the, the, the importance of real-time data and real-time visibility into supply chain? I think you need to speak to the, the fragility of the pharmaceutical supply chain in general. Oh, certainly. Um, and obviously, this everyone's probably more aware of it nowadays than they were a year and a half ago. But uh, obviously, with the condition of the goods from uh, the temperature-controlled environment as well, become much more critical. Um, as the you know temperature alters within it, it could uh, you know affect uh, ne uh, negatively impact a, a vaccine, let's say in the distribution, um, and where it could no longer be used. And then that has to be addressed to say, how do I get that out of the supply chain? How do I replace it and get uh, replacement goods there in time in the proper condition? You mentioned three problems there: damages, theft. And, uh, and counterfeits. Can you speak a little bit about those three challenges and how they've evolved throughout COVID? Have any three become worse over time? We've seen a lot of reports of counterfeits, especially with PPE materials such as masks. We just saw a major recall this week on N95 masks. Can you talk about how those problems have changed throughout COVID? Um, well, I think uh, at the core of it all is really the value of the goods. And the higher the value of the goods, the more likely there's gonna be some tampering or theft or loss during the process. And uh, as you can imagine, there's always been high value goods as electronic components and things like that. Um, but the social impact and the value of the uh, me medications and vaccines can significantly outweigh the cost. Because of that escalated interest and value in those goods, there have been more instances of people trying to take advantage of the situation that we're in today with production of co uh, counterfeit products or, or loss and uh, resale of things from 
PPE cases of that starting back, I think, as early as last March uh, that, uh, that continue today. Because it's the logistics providers ultimately moving the goods, it is up to logistics providers to provide transparency to the pharmaceutical companies, right? So what must logistics companies do to create a more transparent supply chain for these pharmaceutical companies? And yeah, and, and depending upon the manufacturer and who's doing the distribution, they've taken over larger pieces of some of the responsibilities to ensure end-to-end -end visibility and compliance. Um, however, you're correct that all of the participants within the supply chain have a role to play. Uh, typically, the principal logistics service providers will provide some sort of technology or capabilities to ensure uh, the security of those goods from start to finish and the condition of those goods. Um, so it becomes very important for each of those lead logistics service providers to coordinate their activities with their trading partners, whether that be with the airlines, with the ground handlers, with their first and last mile delivery organizations, and provide uh, a way to leverage either existing technical infrastructure they have, or to provide them with some low-cost infrastructure to be able to monitor those goods. So Scott, you mentioned existing and low-cost infrastructure. Can you tell me a little bit about some of the existing infrastructure in place that can be leveraged and some of those low-cost uh, options that you know, Descartes obviously uses? Certainly. Um, so some of the uh, existing infrastructure that we use is a, uh, a BLE or Bluetooth Low Energy Network that we've had in place for several years uh, for the tra tracking of uh, physical equipment that's used in the movement of air cargo. So this is any of the ULDs from the containers to the pallets that move around uh, the globe through the air environment. Um, as these move around, they have uh, BLE tags attached to them so they can uh, see exactly where all of the airlines or ground handlers inventory is at any point in time. So that network uh, infrastructure pardon me, exists in most of the major airports and cargo facilities already uh, through a service we provide. Uh, now what we're doing is allowing us to leverage that network with new lower cost, uh, you know, lower impact from a footprint size tags, even down to micro tags uh, that can be uh, read across the network and recycled for future use with other shipments. Um, we then need to further extend that network. So we've added technologies such as um, the mesh, mesh networks, uh, open network architecture that we've provided, uh, as well as a mobile application that can be downloaded from an app store to be able to give uh, and, and investigate the, quality, uh, the uh, condition of the goods at any point in time from location to temperature, et cetera. And then all of that coming up into a real-time uh, portal for visibility to any participant in the supply chain. Uh, you mentioned ULDs at the at the very beginning of your answer there. I just wanted to for you to explain that you know this technology was being used prior to being used on pharmaceuticals and being used on vaccines. Can you tell me how the pivot has been made and, and why the pivot has been made? Has there just been enough, you know, a, a big demand for this product on in the pharmaceutical segment? Certainly. Um, so it's been used, as I said, in, in the in the air cargo industry to track the physical equipment. Obviously, airlines and ground handlers, et cetera, have a lot of money tied up in uh, the physical uh, equipment that they have on site. Um, and as you can imagine, these ULDs travel all around the world uh, and the pallets traveling around the world, and they need to make sure that they're monitoring and positioning those in the right location. So to do that, uh, for several years, we've been providing a network um, where the airlines can monitor where all their equipment goes at any point in time. So with the, you know, the increase in interest and uh, concern around vaccine distribution and PPE, uh, many of our customers have started to look to say, can we leverage that network not only between airport to airport to be able to track those goods, 
um, but also to extend it out to the first and last mile delivery points. That's where things like the mobile application comes in. And that's where uh, the reduction in cost, the extended battery life of the tags have now made it uh, much more economical for someone to be able to place those tags um, at the shipment level on an individual carton, box, et cetera, uh, to track it through the supply chain. So the, the improved technology, the improved battery life, the expansion of the networks, and then the cost reduction in the tags have all sort of come together, if you will, at a, almost a perfect storm for people to be able to more economically track uh, PPE and, uh, and vaccines. Scott, do you have any data on uh, market penetration? You know, uh, you know, of all pharmaceutical shipments, how many are being tracked to a high level of transparency the way that you guys would provide? Oh, um, I don't have any exact uh, indication of that, but in, in uh, reviewing that with some of our top tier customers that are uh, experts and have been handling uh, cold chain and pharma for several years, I would suspect that the full end-to-end -end, uh, monitoring of the condition of the goods is very limited, probably less than 10% of the supply chain in a single, let's call it global visibility tool that allows someone to check from end-to-end. And regarding the, the COVID vaccines, um, I'm just questioning, I, I saw in the white paper that you guys shared with me, so IATA uh, said in 2015 that about 25% of all vaccines are degraded by the time that they reach their end customer. I'm just, you know, seeing that, that stat and now hearing that you think maybe 10% of the entire pharmaceutical shipments have this type of tracking. Is there something to be worried about here or are everybody, is all of the players that are acting in this vaccine distribution adequately equipped to ensure transparency and safety throughout the supply chain? I think in, uh, it was one of the IATA surveys indicating uh, of the, the forwarders and supply chain partners uh, indicated that maybe about 28%, I think if my number's right, of the participants felt that they were uh, adequately prepared for some of the COVID-19 vaccine distribution. Uh, and then there was a vast majority in the middle. And then there was about another 20% or so that were uh, unprepared to do that today in their survey results. Um, I think that there are a lot of people that have done a very good job of securing and monitoring portions of the supply chain, um, but to get that full end-to-end -end across multiple parties has been difficult. Um, but you know, many of these providers have been doing it for many years in what I would call the silo of their control. Uh, but once it goes outside of that, it's been a little bit more of a challenge. Uh, and as you can imagine, people are also more uh, aware of the conditions of goods and the importance of the move of the condition of those goods through transit. Um, a year, a year and a half ago, I would have known nothing about what temperature levels you had to store certain vaccines at. Uh, so it's been quite an education for everyone. Certainly so. Scott, what needs to be done next to get the, uh, to get the industry to the next level to where we have the vast majority of pharmaceutical shipments being tracked with full end-to-end -end visibility? Um, I mean, really, there's the, I, I think the technology is there today. Um, the network mass has been building over the years. Um, from the number of cargo facilities that are covered, if we're talking specifically about the air supply chain, um, the, the number of participants from airlines to ground handlers and to LSPs that are uh, concerned about this is increasing dramatically. Um, and I think right now the cost of the technology uh, has come down enough that this can be, this is the opportunity for us to extend this right across uh, uh, the LSP customer base. Scott, I wanted to circle back to something you mentioned a few minutes ago, and that was mesh networks. So let, let's try not to get too technical here, but I do think it needs a little bit further explanation for those that are new to that term. What do you, what do you mean by that exactly? So in the mesh network infrastructure, um, historically, 
uh, there'd been a reader located in the network somewhere. And when the tags came into proximity to that reader, um, it would read the, the data from the tag, whether it's just location or now with temperature, uh, humidity, smoke detection, light, et cetera. And then would transmit that through the reader over across the cellular network back into the cloud and be absorbed by the applications. If there was ever a problem with that reader, it would disrupt, disrupt that data flow from one location to another. So the mesh network basically allows uh, different uh, readers and receptacles along the network to be able to communicate with each other. Um, and if you think of it as like a large fishing net or a mesh, it's spreading out that information across multiple points that could then be able to transmit that to the cloud. So number one, it more economically extends the coverage of the network. Um, number two, it provides redundancy in that if there's ever a disruption in one point of connection, um, that data will move around the mesh network to find the next transmission gateway to get that to the cloud. Um, and then another factor that, that we've incorporated with the mesh network is that these can also have uh, be operated just on uh, solar powered. So they can be in areas where traditionally there hasn't been a power source to power a reader. Um, and then that solar relay will pick up the information and get it back to the gateway to transmit to the cloud. Scott, let's talk a little bit about the tags for a moment because we, we breezed over it, but I think it's an important point to talk about the advancements that these tags have gone through over the past decade. They've gotten much smaller, they've gotten much cheaper, uh, their, their battery life has gotten extended a lot. What is next for these tags? Is it, is it able to have a standardized tag for every company to use, or is there a certain type of tag that could be standardized across where there could be multiple companies created? How, does, how do the tags work? Yeah, so the, um, there are uh, various different tag manufacturers that are out there on the market today. Um, and the way that we've designed our network is we have what we call an open network architecture so that we can read multiple tags and multiple manufacturers of tags on the network. So it is independent of each other. So you can manufacture a tag from company A and read it across our network right next to a tag from company B. Um, each one of these tags uh, are somewhat different in the number of sensors they have and the number of information, they, the pieces of information they might be gathering. Um, but I think the main takeaway from a technology standpoint is that the size of these tags keep getting smaller. Uh, the battery life is extended significantly. Uh, with some of these tags, you can have multiple sensors on, the, on a small tag that's recyclable through multiple shipments with up to seven years of battery life never having to be recharged. Um, and so that can be obviously to great advantage as goods fly around the world in a, uh, in a global cargo environment. Uh, you may not have that equipment back at a facility for several years um, to be able to refurbish it. So I think those are sort of the biggest factors, but there's, there's standards for the communication protocols. But as far as the, the infrastructure, the tag design um, and its, its packaging and use case, that can be varied and, and any of those manufacturers can be read across our network. It's certainly useful to have multiple tags from multiple manufacturers to be able to use in this single place of truth. Can you, can you talk a little bit about how important it is to have this single uh, ledger of truth for everyone in, the, uh, everyone in the supply chain? I don't mean to make a blockchain uh, point there. I just mean to have a single source of truth for everyone in the supply chain to have real-time information and visibility end-to-end -end from manufacturing to end-user. Yeah, certainly, um, and regardless of the technology that's used, whether it's blockchain or whether it's... Uh, uh, you know, cloud-based technology with uh, with a cloud platform for everyone. Um, I think it's extremely important now to have that end-to-end -end visibility and collaboration between all of the partners. The you know the manufacturers obviously have a vested interest in making sure that it arrives 
uh, at the point of service for uh, in the vaccine case to delivery to the customer's arm. Um, but it's equally as important for uh, those facilities, whether it be a government agency, a doctor's office, or a pharmacy, uh, to have good visibility into when their shipment is coming in, when they can expect it, and align those with the appointments. As we've seen in many situations, uh, sometimes that gets out of sync and you've got people that are showing for appointments that don't have vaccine or vice versa. So in the past, everyone had sort of operated with their own silo and their own version of the truth and what was happening at any given time. Um, but with these cloud-based architecture and platforms, um, you can allow everyone access uh, that you want to have for information on that shipment. So whether it's an LSP, manufacturer, or the end uh, physician who's applying the, uh, the vaccine. I think it's very important to have that single point of truth, and then also people can collaborate on if there are disruptions in the supply chain, which will happen. All right, you heard it here. A single source of truth is one of the most important points of navigating the complexities of the pharmaceutical supply chain and transportation. Scott, thank you so much for your time today. I want to give you a moment to shout out to your team or anyone in attendance that wants to learn more about the CART Group. Well, thank you. Uh, it's, uh, it's been a pleasure to be here and uh, always enjoy these, uh, these events. Uh, and if there's anybody that's uh, looking for additional information on, on our solutions in the area, they can uh, visit us at uh, www.decart.com. All right. Thank you so much for your time today, Scott. Everyone stay tuned. We've got plenty more coming up during the Health and Pharma Supply Chain Summit. Stay tuned.